Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We got some good ones. Tell what I learned from that video is I need to work on my sense of humor. There's a lot of funny moms at Wellspring Church. Um, Danny, can you teach us your comedic timing, maybe? I mean, what we're doing at my house is acting like adults and talking about our emotions. That sounds fun. <laughs> Do you want to come get raised up in our house? Uh, no. Happy Mother's Day. I wanted to actually, because it is Mother's Day, first of all, my name is April Colquitt. Some of you don't know me. I'm the children's pastor here at Wellspring, and thank you. Um, sometimes I get the opportunity to um, share a little bit about some things that God's taught me, and so I'm actually really excited for what we're going to talk about today, but I wanted to just take an opportunity to honor my mom for a minute and tell you a little bit about her. My mom is, she lives in Alabama, so she's at her church today. I told her to go watch this message today because this is for her. Um, My mom is one of the hardest working women that I know, truly. She starts something and she doesn't stop until she finishes. Um, When I was a kid, when we were growing up, my mom, she's really talented. She had her own sewing business in the basement of our home. And so she altered wedding gowns and she made formal wear like bridesmaids dresses and she made like... Um, dance uniforms and things like that from scratch. And then when we were in middle school, my mom closed that business and she opened a preschool at our church, a full-time preschool from birth to 4K. And she operated and ran that daycare for over 20 years. And then she passed on that leadership torch and she took up the role as children's pastor at her church. And... um, She's still doing that job today. She's 69 years old, and she's still going strong. She's an amazing woman. Um, I will tell you that she is pretty headstrong. She's a little bit stubborn. Um, She's a little bit loud, and she doesn't know it, but she has the ability to command the attention in a room when she walks in. My mom is amazing. And um, several people have told me that I look a lot like my mom. A lot of people who know us well would say that I'm most like my mom in almost every way. (laughs) And so I take that as a compliment. My mom's pretty awesome. I love you, mom. And, um, but the reason I tell you that is because isn't it true that our children grow up to be like us in some way? How many of you have had that moment when you realized, oh my word, I sound like my mother? Or, oh, wow, I'm starting to act like my dad. And if you have a spouse, you like to remind each other of that, probably. Um, I often tell Eric that he is becoming like his dad. I will say, okay, Jerry. (laughs) Okay, Jerry. That's his dad's name. And it's just kind of a running joke that we have. If you are a parent, you know that these traits of likeness with our parents show up often and early. And people will often point it out to us. They'll say, oh, here comes your mini-me. Here comes your mini-me. She acts just like you. She walks just like you. He acts just like you. Even when we're not trying to and we don't purposely intend to become like our parents, we just have this thing, this natural way that as we get older and as we grow up, we usually have some similarities with our parents, don't we? You've experienced this. I've experienced this. We all can agree that on some level we grow up and share similarities with our parents. And it's good that we all understand that because that's gonna help us with where we're going today and understanding what we're studying this morning in Ephesians. If you're joining us today for the first time, um, or it's been a while, we are in a series called The Blueprint 
where we are studying the book of Ephesians, which is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And in this letter, Paul gives the early believers, the early Christians, God's plan for their life and helps them understand how to follow that plan. And so we've been studying that plan for the last four weeks. So if you haven't been here or maybe you've missed a couple of those weeks, you can go to the Wellspring app. As Trey said, we hear it's pretty awesome. It can do some really cool things. Um, you can go to the app and catch up on any of those messages that you've missed. And you want to do that because Paul lays out this comprehensive plan for us for how to follow God and exactly what his plan is. And each week kind of builds on top of one another. But if you are joining us for the first time today, I want to do just a real quick summary of where we've been because it will help you with where we're going today. So we started this series by understanding that God has a plan for us, but we said, why do we even need a plan? And the answer is because we are hopeless without it. How many of you have gotten into your plan for your life and then it went exactly like you thought it was going to? Yeah, me either. It doesn't go like we thought, or if we get to the end of our plan, we usually aren't fully satisfied with it and we're left chasing more. Sometimes our plan leads us down a dangerous road and we find ourselves at the bottom of a pit. And so we need God's plan because his is the only plan that offers us hope and purpose and possibility. God's plan is the only plan that can completely satisfy us. And so we need his plan. And here's what we've learned God's plan is. God's plan is for us to love him, to trust him, follow him, and help others find him because we are his children. God has a plan to give us a rich, satisfying life in following him. And his plan actually keeps us from wandering in to deserted, barren places. His plan is full of possibility for us. And it's his is the only one that will satisfy us. But God doesn't just give us this plan and say, good luck learning to love me, trust me, follow me, and help other people find me. He's actually given, given us an incredible amount of resources. He's given us everything that we need to live out his plan. When we put our faith in Jesus for the very first time, we become his children, his sons and daughters. And as his kids, he gives us full access to everything in his kingdom through the power of his Holy Spirit. That means that we have access to his strength, his power, his wisdom, his confidence. We have access to his love, his patience, his joy. Anything that you can think of that would encompass the kingdom and the character of God is ours for the taking. And not only that, but what we learned last week is that God has given us an amazing resource in his church. As a people of faith, we are united into one body, as Paul says. And each of us has a role to play. So it's in the church where we are able to live out our purpose. It's in the church where we find strength and training and equipping to live out God's plan for us. In fact, what we said last week is that without the church, without being an active player in the church, we cannot fully experience God's plan and purpose for our life because the church is a vital part of his plan for us. That's where we left off last week, and so today we're going to pick up right in the middle of chapter 4 of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles and you want to begin turning there with me, you can. If you have been reading ahead with us in this series each week, you might have noticed that Paul does not dance lightly around the message that God has given him to share with us. He is pretty blunt, he's pretty straightforward, and he covers every topic that you can think of. 
Now, for the sake of time today, because we don't have time to get into all of it, I'm going to hit some of the highlights with you of the end of chapter 4 and 5 and a little bit into chapter 6. And we're just going to sort of try to look at the heart of what Paul is saying to us in these chapters. And he really begins to camp out in two parts of the plan that we've already learned so far. He camps out on that God's plan is for us to follow him and help others find him. So everything he's going to talk about in this part of the letter is about us following him and helping other people find him. And he begins by giving us a picture of something that we all understand. Paul illustrates by giving us the picture of a child that's growing up. When we begin to trust Jesus, the very first moment that we believe in him and give our lives to Jesus, we begin a new life, a brand new life. So we're like infants. Infants don't really know anything. All they know is how to understand and receive and experience unconditional love. And so when we first put our faith in Jesus, we are like infants. We don't know much of anything, but we have come to understand that God loves us and we want to experience God's love. And that's it. At that moment, we are his children, and that's all it takes. And then after that, we begin to learn some skills of our faith. We begin to experiment with things like praying and attending church and maybe listening to worship music. And then we're like toddlers in our faith. Some of you have toddlers, and some of your toddlers are learning to walk. And it's so sweet. I got to walk, help a, a toddler in our baby room last week practice walking, and it's great. I love that. Even if you don't have toddlers, you have probably observed some toddlers learning to walk. And you know that when a little one is first learning to walk, they are so proud of themselves, right? <laughs> they are so happy. I mean, they have a new perspective of the world. They're not down here anymore. They're up here. They can see things. And they start waddling around the house like little penguins. And they're so proud. And they love it, but they're not stable yet because their heads are bigger than their bodies. And so the second that they start cruising through the house, it doesn't take long for their head to get in front of their feet or they trip on a toy or they bump into the coffee table. And what happens? They fall immediately. That confidence goes straight down. And Paul says that we are like toddlers and until we begin to depend on the resources that God has given us to grow us in our faith, we will remain spiritually immature. We will remain like toddlers, being unstable in everything that we do, falling easily and stumbling on things in our path. He says, if we remain spiritually immature, we won't look much different. Our life won't be much different than it was when we first believed in Jesus. So Paul starts to encourage us that it's time for us to, what, grow up. It's time for us to grow up in our faith. Here's how he says it. Paul writes, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, Paul says, first of all, he's like, God is the author, I'm just the scribe. All, everything I'm telling you is from God, and he says, live no longer as the Gentiles do. He uses the term Gentiles, which we've learned is just a broad term for anyone who hasn't believed in Jesus yet. 
But if we are going to not live like the Gentiles, then we need to understand how the Gentiles lived. And at the time that Paul's writing this letter, the primary religion was polytheism. People believed in all sorts of gods and idols that represented all kinds of different thoughts and beliefs and morals. And so because they worshiped so many different idols, they really had no moral guideline for their life. Their values and their virtues were all dependent on which idol they were choosing to celebrate on any given day of the week, which led to a hopeless life. Paul says they were hopelessly confused because if you don't have a God who is guiding your path and giving you a purpose and a plan for your life, you are hopelessly confused. It's confusing. And Paul says, we have something far better now. He writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes to us, Wellspring Church, and says, you have something far better. You are no longer hopelessly confused because you have chosen to believe in the living God. And he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. So now that we know what that purpose and that plan is, let's begin to move towards that. Let's begin to walk away from the things that were representing our life before we knew Jesus, and let's start growing up in our faith. And he tells us exactly how we can do that. First thing that Paul says is imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. He says the way that we begin to mature spiritually, the way that we grow up in our faith is to imitate God. And he says he wants to be clear, I believe, in helping us understand that the reason that we imitate God is not because we're trying to earn favor with him or earn his love. We don't change our behaviors. We don't do this or do that because we're trying to get favor with God. We already have it. Paul has spent the last three chapters of his letter, the first half of his letter, teaching us about the incredible love that God has for us. Some translations of this verse say um, beloved children, which references the unconditional love that God has for us. So we don't imitate God to earn his love. We imitate God because of his love. On Mother's Day today, you probably hopefully have some special things planned for your mom. You're taking her out to lunch or you're giving her the day off of making food or cleaning the house or maybe you have a special spa day planned for her later this week, whatever it is. You're not doing that because you're hoping she's gonna like you and love you a little bit more. You're doing it because she already likes you and she already loves you a whole lot. I think I speak for all the moms in the room when I say there's nothing that my children could do today or any other day of the year that's gonna help me love them or not love them any less. Nothing they do, regardless of what they do or don't do, I am going to love them with every fiber of my being. And that unconditional love is just a drop in the ocean compared to the love that God has for us. And Paul has been teaching us about this unconditional, immense love that God has for us. These unlimited, incredible resources that he's given us to follow his plan. And so he's saying, in light of all that knowledge, let's honor God with our lives by imitating him. Let's honor God by being like him. And you may be thinking, well, imitate 
God, Paul, that sounds like a tall order. How in the world are we supposed to imitate God? Are you sure that's what we're supposed to do? And I think if Paul were standing here with me right now, he would say, yes, of course that's what you're supposed to do. You're a daughter of God, right? You're a son of the king, aren't you? And you want to follow his plan for your life, right? And remember, all these things we've been talking about, about his unconditional love, that means that if you miss the mark, he's not going to be angry with you. And he's given you everything that you need to follow this plan. He's given you everything that you need to imitate him. Remember, God's plan is for us to follow him and help others find him. And I believe that Paul would say, by the way, I don't think God would have told me to tell you all this, all this if it wasn't possible. And so he begins to give us some practices that we can implement in our life to help us mature and grow up to look more like our heavenly father. The first thing that he does is say, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. That's Jesus. If you ever wanna know what God is like, look to Jesus. Jesus tells us and models for us everything we'll ever need to know about God, and Jesus was all about love. Everything he did, everything he said was a representation of love from God for us. So much so that Paul says he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. He offered his life to us in humility. He stepped down from his throne in heaven and came down to the slums to be with us, to serve us, to teach us because it's what was best for us and ultimately gave his life for us because it's what was best for us. And that means that if we are imitating Jesus, then we sacrifice ourselves for other people. It means that we put aside what we think is best for us. We give up what we think we deserve to do what's best for someone else. Imitating Jesus means that we take on that attitude of Jesus and that we grow up in God and follow his plan to follow him and help others find him by walking in love. It's coming, walking in love. <laughs> I jumped ahead. We walk in love. That is what God wants for us because we're imitating him and we're imitating Jesus. Everything that Jesus did was to reconcile us and connect us to God. So that means if we're imitating Jesus, we must adopt the attitude of wanting to connect other people to God. We must. You know, we live in the Bible Belt and it's easy to assume here in the South that people just know about Jesus. We can convince ourselves of that. But we have had students, we have had children in our ministries and at this church. We've had adults come to our church and share. They've never heard the story of Jesus. They don't know much at all, if anything, about the Bible. And what little bit they were taught about God wasn't really accurate, their learning. 
if you have convinced yourself casually or subconsciously made the decision that other people's view of God and what they think of him is really not your business, would you allow me to just lovingly correct you as your sister in Christ? Because as children of God, as sons and daughters who are following him, embracing his plan for our life and seeking to imitate him, the way that other people see God and what they think about him is our business. It's our business because Jesus made it his business. And so that means that we walk in love by looking for ways to demonstrate God's love to other people. We walk in love by seeking to bring people out of that chaos and confusion into a life of light and clarity and connection with God. Paul says the very next thing he does is he reminds us that we once were in that kind of confusion. He wants us to think back to it. Here's what he says. Paul says, for once you were full of darkness, once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Anytime we see writers of the New Testament contrasting light and dark in scripture, they're quoting Jesus, basically. Jesus began the trend of, of contrasting light and dark when he called himself light. So light is characterized by a life with Jesus, a light where there is hope and peace and purpose and clarity. Darkness is characterized by a life without Jesus, where there's sin and chaos and confusion. And Paul wants us to think back to that time in our life. Remember when you were walking around in the dark and you were hopelessly confused? We live in a one-story ranch-style home, and our living area and our um, kitchen are on one end of the house, and our bedrooms are on the other side of the house. And typically at night, I'm the last one walking around the house. Eric has already gone through the house and turned off all the lights and everybody's in their rooms, and the last thing that I do every night before I go to bed is I program the coffee pot. <laughs> it's an important step, guys. Must do, must do. And then I fix a glass of water, and then I walk to the bedroom. Well, we have a cat that is a charcoal-colored cat, and her favorite game is to wait until all the lights are off in the house and go hide under a table or around a corner. And when she sees me coming with a glass of water, she pounces out at me. <laughs> it's not a fun game for me because water splashes and it's a whole mess. So one night I realized, wait a minute, I have my phone. And on my phone is a flashlight. So I turned on the flashlight and I thought, maybe if I can just find her, she won't jump out at me. <laughs> And it worked. So now every night, I walk through the house with my flashlight on my phone and a glass of water in the other hand going like this. <laughs> and if I do that, she doesn't bother me. I have a light. Paul says, you have a light. Use your light. The other way that we grow up in our faith and we begin to look like our heavenly father is to walk in light. We begin to move away from the old patterns that characterized a life of darkness. 
where there is sin and confusion and where our behaviors are hurting ourselves and other people, and we begin to adopt the patterns and the behaviors and the thoughts of Jesus. That's how we grow up in our faith. We move away from our old patterns and we move towards the attitude and the thoughts and the behaviors that look more like Jesus. And when we first believe in Jesus, we're infants, remember? And then we become toddlers. And infants and toddlers don't know what they don't know. They have to be taught. And so Paul takes this opportunity to teach us about some of the things, some of the behaviors and habits that are characterized more in a life of darkness than in a life of light. And he begins to list all these things in chapter five. You can go and read it for yourself. He talks about things like our language, our tone, the topic of our conversation. He talks about things like sex and greed and relationships. He talks about our attitude and our anger. All of these things that impact all the capacities of our life, our marriage, our home life, our workplace, our ethic, our integrity. He talks about all of these things and he warns us about these things because these are the behaviors and the habits that tempt to pull us back into a place of darkness. And we're supposed to be walking in the light because it's what's best for us and because it's what's best for other people. God's plan is for us to follow him and help other people find him. And so everything we say, everything we do reflects on who God is. It will either reflect God to people or it will deflect people from God's love. The way we live our life, the things we say, the choices we make, the, the, the things that we chase after in our life, will either help someone or hinder someone in finding God. And so Paul just wants us to be aware of what some of those behaviors are. And he says, walk in the light because we're to be people of light who are helping other people get out of darkness. And he gives us one other note. Paul says, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. You know, when we have been growing up in the Lord for a while, and we've maybe been following him for a little while, it's easy for us to get comfortable. And we think, oh, I know God's plan. In fact, I feel like I'm doing pretty good with God's plan, and I've handled all that old stuff that was in my life before I knew Jesus, and I'm in a good place. But sin is so sneaky, and Satan is so crafty that Paul says we've gotta be careful, and we've gotta be wise. He actually quotes a a hymn that his readers would have known. This is a hymn that they probably sang in their church. It's taken from several different passages in Isaiah. Paul says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I think that Paul quotes this scripture as a way of saying, wake up. Stay awake. Is somebody in here just wake up? I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome back. This is a good time for you to join us again. I wasn't talking to you, but we're glad you're with us. Paul says, wake up. Don't get too comfortable. You know what? A few weeks ago, I was sitting in the back of the room. I don't know if I can tell this story. I'm probably going to call somebody out. I was sitting in the back of the room, and somebody had folded their arms 
and was sleeping and they were about to fall out of their chair. <laughs> and I was like, please fall. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, it was just gonna be funny, but also it would wake them up and Trey was saying really good things. <laughs> Paul says, wake up, do not get too comfortable. Do not go to sleep on your sin because your sin is not going to sleep on you. He says, he continues by saying this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Be careful with your attitudes, your actions, your words, your choices. Those things will sneak up and they will creep in on you. And those temptations are things that we have to be aware of because they wanna pull us back into the dark. And we are supposed to be walking in the light. The day that I was writing this message a few weeks ago and preparing and studying, one of my children came home from school and began to spill the tea, so to speak, on some things that had happened at school. Unfortunately, this child had been on the receiving end of some hurtful words, just unprovoked, unnecessary meanness. And my first instinct was to comfort my child my second instinct was to bring shame on the perpetrator. <laughs> the mama bear was clawing at the cage. Do you know what I'm saying? In less than two seconds, I had mapped out a plan in my mind. I thought, I know how to fix this. <laughs> Thankfully, by God's grace, and wouldn't you know, I had been sitting with the Holy Spirit all day, writing a message about how to follow God and help people find him. <laughs> and so I was able to take a breath. And as I listened to my child tell me this story, I just said, Lord, help me follow you. How do I help my child find you in this experience? How do I walk in love and light right now with them? And that was enough to tame the bear. I do not respond like that every time. <laughs> I wish I did. But that day I had been sitting with the Holy Spirit, begging him for wisdom as I was writing this message. And he gave me the opportunity to go on a field trip and practice what he'd been saying to me. And I share that story with you to say that I've been following Jesus for well over 25 years, trying to follow his plan for my life. And it's hard. If anybody ever tells you that the Christian life is a cakewalk, your next question should be, tell me more about that. Because I guarantee you there's some areas of their life that are in serious danger. Walking with Jesus, following him, following his plan for us is not easy. I've never once looked back and regretted it. Not once have I looked back and regretted trusting God. But what I'm saying is that I'm still learning Growing up in God and becoming more like him is a lifelong process and I'm gonna be on it until he takes me from this earth. And what happened that day, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do, but I paused and I prayed. My old habits, the ones that I have wrestled off and on for years, wanted to show up and have their say as will happen in the Christian life. And so Paul, having some old habits of his own, 
tells us in his experience and his wisdom. So be careful. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly. That means don't react. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't rush into something. Pause and pray. Understand is an action. It's a verb that requires action on our part. It requires intentionality. It requires us to pause. It requires us to pray. It requires us to lean in, to listen to God and say, God, what would you have me to do here? Because it's not about me. It's about me following you and helping other people find you. What would you have me to do? And sometimes that's just us praying on our own and seeking God on our own. Sometimes it's going and asking someone else, seeking wisdom, seeking to understand what the Lord would have you to do through the help of other people, through the church. Last week we learned the church exists to help us be equipped and ready for what God wants us to do. The church helps us learn things. We learn together. If you go and read four through six of uh, Ephesians, you'll see that a lot of the things that Paul talks about is what we do series on here at Wellspring. We are learning and we are growing up together. I can't tell you how many times I have told somebody that I grew up in church. Didn't occur to me until this week that that has a double meaning. I didn't just age up in church. I grew up in my faith in church, in my church. My church helped me to learn what God wants me to do. My church has helped me to understand the right picture of God. My church has helped me learn how to walk in love, how to walk in light, how to walk in wisdom. That's what we're here doing together right now. We are growing up in our faith, learning to look more like our heavenly father every day. There is a lot more in these chapters that Paul has to say, so much more to be unpacked, and we don't have time for it. But I wanna challenge you to go and read it on your own because while it is extremely valuable and important to come and learn in an environment like this from other people in a community group, on your serving teams, it cannot replace you spending one-on-one -on -one time with your father, learning more about who he is, understanding him more, leaning in and listening to him one-on-one -on -one is when you're gonna get to know him intimately, intimately. Admittedly, I am a lot like my mom and I'm totally okay with that because she's amazing. And I am like my mom because she raised me. She taught me things, she nurtured me, I listened to her, I watched her. Her passions became my passions because we spent a lot of time together. In the same way, as you spend time with God, as you seek to understand what He wants you to do, as you begin to imitate Him, you will become like Him. You will. It is the natural byproduct of being a child of God that we begin to look like him, act like him, sound like him, the more time that we spend with him as we walk in love, as we walk in light, as we walk in wisdom. Remember God's plan for our life is to follow him and help 
others find him. And I agree with Paul. Let's honor God with our lives by seeking to be like our heavenly father and walking in love and light and wisdom so that we look more like him and we can help others connect to God to see and to know who their heavenly father is and how much he loves them. Let's pray this morning. Oh, Father, thank you so, so much for loving us. Thank you for this perfect plan that you've given us for our life. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our life that is full of possibility and hope. And God, we want to follow your plan. And I pray that you would begin to grow us up to look more like you. Lord, would you change our heart? Would you change our desires? Would who we are begin to match who you are? in our behaviors, our attitudes, our thoughts, our words, that we would be a complete reflection of your son, Jesus, and that we would be able to bring other people out of the chaos and confusion into a light of light and clarity and connection with you. God, I pray that our life would be a picture of who you are and that it would help other people find you. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen.